0: You are listening to the Tech Chef Podcast. This is episode number sixty-three, November eighth,
1: twenty twenty-two. Hi, this is Toby Malbeck, managing director of Constrata Consulting, coming to you from the Mertech Executive Conference in Napa. You're listening to the Tech Chef Podcast. Business strategy, business continuity. How about a taste test of restaurant
0: technology? drive through or curbside, mobile apps or AI. It's all on the menu. Cooking up for the day. It's a recipe for success. You're in good hands with a tech chef. Make a plan to be your best.
1: Strategize with the tech chef.
0: Well, it's me again, Skip Kimple, and I am back with another exciting episode of The Tech Chef. As expected from me, I will be talking all things technology in the restaurant, hotel, and hospitality industries. For those that missed last week's show, don't worry. You can always go back and listen to all the archived shows, and there will be new episodes each week available for your listening enjoyment on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music or pretty much any other podcast location. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and hit that subscribe button now. The feedback I get from listeners, especially those that tune in every week, is the best part of my job. It always makes me feel so warm and fuzzy when people tell me how much they enjoy the show or mention some new topic that we haven't covered yet. Thank you for all of your loyal support. Without it, none of this would be possible. I'm sure I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Thank you. Today is a very important day for those of you listening here in the U.S. Now, I have to specify that because we have listeners from over 80 countries to date. Back to what I was saying, in the U.S., it is election day. As a matter of fact, if you haven't voted yet, pause this episode, jump in the car, do it now. You can then resume listening once you are waiting in line. Win-win, right? Right. The ability to vote is one of those privileges we have as citizens that should not be taken lightly. Last week's Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association show was a huge success. If you didn't get to hear me speak on Web3, don't fret. You will have many more opportunities in the near future and into 2023. Now, from what I hear, the reports are in and it sounds like the Mertech Executive Summit was a big hit as well. I wish I could have replicated myself and been at both places at once. I'm sure you all missed the mayor of Murtech. after all. Now, the next big show for me is the Restaurant Finance and Development Conference and the Digital Signage Expo, both in Las Vegas in less than a week. If you are going to attend RFDC, make sure you stick around Wednesday morning and join the Technology Boot Camp where Zarek Pearson, Galen Collins, and myself will be teaching on various areas of technology in the restaurant industry. You can even get certification at the end of the session. I hope that is reason enough to see you there. Today, we are going to switch things up a little bit, as I had promised you a show with Bob Gibson, previously from Jolt and Oracle, where we have a very interesting conversation on vendor-client relationships. However, given the fact that my colleague, Toby Malbeck, just attended the Mertech Executive Summit. I thought I needed to jump on this opportunity right away and get a recap from him so he could fill us in on all the amazing things that I missed. I am sure not all of you were able to attend either, so this will be very informative for all of us. As you know, I work side by side with Toby at Constrata, And one of the reasons why I love having him on the show is that we don't always agree on things, which makes it for a healthy conversation. Hey, If everybody thought the same, we would just be robots. Hmm, That might actually be one of the subjects for today. Regardless, those that know Toby know that this will be an engaging conversation with lots of good insight. Toby, a man with your last name, I can't imagine talking with anybody else that is in Napa Valley conference, uh, better suited than you.
1: Skip, good morning from a chilly Napa Valley. I was able to hang out with my brethren yesterday in the, in the fields. The Malbec grapes were comforting with the Pinot grapes and it was, uh, it was a beautiful day, but it was cold. It was, uh, it's been chilly up here for the last couple of days. I, uh, I come from just outside of Detroit, where it's 70 degrees, and we had we actually had frost up here last night, so uh, a bit of a surprise, but still uh, a beautiful part of the world.
0: Well, you know, I'm I'm jealous that you're there, and I'm I'm here in Florida. I attended a different conference. I attended the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association show, uh, but I you know Nap has been on my list for the past couple of years, ever since they first announced it was going to be there. So I was I'm super happy that you were able to go. Uh, is the venue nice?
1: It was amazing. They did a, they did an excellent job. Um, this area, I, I don't know if most of your listeners have been out here in a while, just continues to grow and grow. And uh, the, the resort here really added themselves. Beautiful facility. They have a, their own uh, winery here. Uh, the, the facilities were really top notch for a, a conference at this level. So really hats off to them.
0: Well, that's good. Well, let's start off a little bit about your overall impressions of the conference. I know the Mertek Executive Summit always has some fantastic content, and it's a little different than the average Mertek show that happens in April uh, because it's all content, correct?
1: Yeah, it really is different. It's first, it's a smaller group, it's more intimate. Uh, It's not a trade show. It's not a a trade show type of setup. There are no booths. So it's got a very different feel to it. It's a very different vibe. There's much more mingling. There's much more networking um, kind of collaboration. There isn't the uh, the us and them kind of feel to it. Uh, in terms of just everybody's there looking to try to solve some problems. The other thing that's a major difference uh, between the executive conference and Mertek is that the executive conference tends to be a little bit more on the strategy side, the C-suite, um, really kind of where the puck is going a lot around uh, where technology is going to lead within the industry, some more uh, progressive, far-reaching types of technologies we talked about, robotics, and uh, we've talked about a number of those uh, type of technologies that you know, aren't, aren't mainstream yet, aren't really necessary for prime time, but um, allow people to give some thought around where the industry is going and how we might leverage some of the technologies that are becoming more commercially available
0: perhaps in in other industries. It sounds like it was pretty well attended as well.
1: I was really surprised. Uh, you know, obviously, it's on the far side of the country for those of us from the, either the Midwest or the East, but it was really well attended. Uh, the other thing that that's a big difference is sometimes at some of these conferences where the, the content tends to be kind of a secondary approach, uh, some of the conference uh, sessions aren't well attended. These were really well attended. Full rooms, uh, very attentive group. Uh, I still think some of this is kind of the COVID hangover, people getting excited to get back together uh, to collaborate on on issues that really impact the restaurant industry. So, yes, it was really uh, not only well attended, but uh, a very active uh, group of folks and uh, the right people
0: in the room. So you've had a couple of days there to digest the entire show. What are your overall thoughts? What are some of your big takeaways from it?
1: Well, it's it's an interesting time in the restaurant industry because we're really faced with some uh, some here and now stark realities. As you know, obviously the industry. Faces some of the headwinds around continued supply chain challenges, uh, the fight for labor, uh, uh, and just the fact that we we appear to be going into a into a re- recession in this country. So there are some immediate needs, but that doesn't change the fact that that you still need to look forward to other things. So I think the the the, the conference was a nice blend of here and now realities, uh, but a lot about where we're going and the things that should be on the average director of IT or CIO's uh, mind going forward. So there was there was some things that you could take away today, but a lot of what you need to think about for tomorrow. And again, that's really the goal of, a, of an executive conference like this. It's really around future thought leadership and strategy.
0: As you well know, um, the restaurant industry tends to be not really the forward thinkers of technology in the past historically, we're usually behind the times and COVID kind of made everybody change their mindset a little bit. Like if you were behind, you were in trouble. And I think that kind of changed people's mindsets in regards to how they approach technology, how far ahead should they be looking, you know, some of this stuff that sounds crazy and futuristic. Well, maybe it's not so crazy and maybe I should be taking a look at it. And one of the sessions I saw was on robots and robots have gotten a lot of attention lately because they are becoming more and more popular. Um, I think Mesa Robotics was there, and they were talking about Flippy, Sippy, and Chippy, um, all these nicknames for these companies that have taken on the robots and kind of nicknamed them. What was kind of the thought process behind that session? I mean, was it more about solving for the labor crisis or, or safety in back of house or creating more efficiency?
1: A little bit of everything, Skip, and uh, so Michael Guinan, and uh, and I apologize if I
0: pronounce anybody's name wrong. And David Bloom uh,
1: from uh, from Capriati's and from White Castle, uh, really kind of describe their journey that they've been through to implement uh, robotics in their restaurants. And again, being uh, trailblazers is, is no small task. It's been a long road for them. They really did do a nice job of chronicling the fact that uh, the road has been bumpy, as you would expect for any any technology that's really not uh, you know, nowhere near mainstream at this point within the industry and how long it took them to get just a few restaurants in. And you mentioned it, you know, you had Flippy uh, at White Castle that's currently Four castles, um, soon to be in ten, and we talked a lot about not only the the actual technology itself and what they did, but more the humanistic aspects. So, how does the the staff view this? Do they do they view this as a threat to their employment? And they don't. And and you know what uh, what David said uh, uh, David Bloom had said was that they really uh, enjoy the fact that that the robotics take away some of the mundane tasks to allow them to do other things. Uh, and, and uh, you know, that it, it really removes sometimes some dangerous chores, you know, when you're dealing with hot grease and things like that. Or, as I said, the mundane tasks. So they they really made a point of saying it's not looked at as being a, a labor replacement as much as a labor augmentation to allow people to take on less uh, less dangerous jobs, less mundane tasks, things like that. And that part of the the, the robotic move, if you will, is this idea that the teams need to buy in and not just the, the operations team, but marketing has to buy into it in all parts of the organization because there's going to be a lot of bumps down the road. And, uh, and, and Michael, and made a point of saying that they felt that they were very fortunate because they had a very long, tenured staff and that they, uh, because of that, everybody felt comfortable adding this, this technology. And, and they made a point of saying that, you know, they all refer to, to Flippy or, or their robotics by name now. And, and, and so as if it's a member of the team. So, uh, uh, you yeah, know, there was a little bit of a, of a, of a difference there. The, uh, and I forgot exactly the, the manufacturer that was using it said, you know, it should be really on everybody's radar for the next six months. And then uh, the two operators were very clear that it had taken them a long time to get to where they were, so I think it's more than six months out. I think we're this this should be on probably some radars, but um, it's going to be a little while before it becomes a commodity. Uh, the the work that was required to put these into the restaurants was a lot of uh, you know site prep and and, and measuring of, of the number of feet that it had to move and the motion and, and all of that. And there was even some conversation in the Q and A about you know what happens when uh, when Flippy takes a, takes an hour off and uh, how does that affect your business. So uh, still some work in progress there, but a a very interesting session to kind of put that idea in people's minds and uh, make sure that we keep an eye on that technology going forward.
0: Well, I talked to the White Castle team almost two years ago when they are starting to put their first uh, um, flippy in place and they're still, uh, they're still rolling it out, which is, it does take a long time to get it right, but they're doing it for the right reasons. And I, I think they want to perfect it. I mean, having the perfect fry. I mean, first of all, removing the danger factor, but having the perfect fry or for Chipotle's chippy, having the perfect chip that comes out. it, it makes perfect sense. But like you said, this, that technology is not necessarily for your average ordinary person. Now, I mean, you do see other areas of robots in the industry from bartending, which is still kind of expensive, but also these delivery robots that are around, you see them everywhere now, especially for some reason in, um, in general in Asian cuisine, I've seen quite a few of these uh, server robots going around, which it's unique to see that in place. And I, I still am trying to figure out, you know, is it, you know, what's, what's the perception of the guests out there? Is that a, uh, do they like it? Don't they like it? You know, where, where, where's that headed? Is it just a fad? Yeah. Who knows?
1: And in, in even with those server robots, it's still challenging because they they require a floor plan. They do still get stuck from time to time. The technology. Think about Roomba as uh, a as a perfect example. We we look at that as a. Pretty tried and tested technology to have a self automated, vac- automated vacuum cleaner for the house it gets stuck under furniture. It gets stuck in corners. And that, that's something that's more consumer based and has been tested more. So the, 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 the robotics for serving has still got some ways to go. It has some opportunity. Perhaps I've seen some applications where they're, uh, they're designed to bust tables. It, it will get there. Uh, The challenge we have in the restaurant industry, and you mentioned this before, Skip, you know, we don't tend to be overly progressive. And when we try to be, we get challenged by the fact that the margins in the restaurant industry are so tight that the R&D investments just can't be at the level that they are for, say, uh, uh, medical equipment or even pharmaceuticals or even retail. So we're challenged in that we have complicated needs. Uh, and don't have the budgets to really, in many cases, manage those those complications. But to to wrap up on the the robotics piece, uh, Nicole West, who's the VP of Digital Strategy and Product for Chipotle, yes. really did emphasize the fact that that Chippy is really there. To take a job that really nobody else would want to do, and you know, it's it's not a it's not a fun job to just make chips all day. You know, it's hot, it's it's a miserable environment, it's repetitive, and to a degree, it's dangerous. So, again, it's not necessarily labor augment uh, labor replacement as much as it is uh, replacing a task that isn't considered to be particularly appealing to uh, to the staff.
0: Now, Nicole West, I've been trying to get her on the show for a while. uh, She's the VP of Digital Strategy and Product for Chipotle. Um, you know, I I know her session was all about you know, her trailblazing technology that they're implementing over there. I mean, they, they have this award-winning app, uh, they have a best in class rewards program. Uh, but I saw something highlighted. I'm wondering if you took any notes on it in regards to their best in class employee benefits, because obviously employee retention is a big deal. Uh, if you, if you get an actual employee to work for you, you certainly want them to stick around. Um, do you have any insight on that? Actually,
1: Nicole didn't go into that in great detail, but uh, did spend a little bit of time, as you were talking about, with their loyalty program that just hit thirty million members and talked a little bit about where that's going and and obviously some of that is is is, part of the secret sauce of what makes Chipotle what it is, but talked about the fact that going forward, they're going to try to take personalization from loyalty to a new level. So in terms of things like personalization of the menu on the digital. So if you're a vegan, you're only going to be presented with vegan options, or if there are certain things that uh, that you've shown a proclivity towards, that those would be, those would be highlighted. But um, so there was a lot of talk about loyalty and just how Chipotle has kind of got that secret sauce mastered as it relates to that.
0: And I noticed the other day that they had a big campaign over Halloween. Um, they launched on um, Roblox, which is their metaverse platform where they gave away over a million burritos. Uh, but, yes. and, uh, I thought that was very interesting, which kind of ties into another session that happened later on. And that was, um, you know, new loyalty ideas, lifetime loyalty and, and Thinking outside of the box. Now, I know you're not a big Web3 guy and, and NFTs, <laughs> but um, I bet you found this discussion a little bit engaging because you had some pretty big, powerful people up on stage um, that had some insight and are making a heck of a lot of money and making a big, uh, big, big impact in the industry. And people are paying attention. And I think you have. It
1: really, yeah. It really was interesting. I have to be honest, and uh, I, I joke, uh, Skip and I joke about this all the time, but I, I kind of feel like Tom Hanks in, in the movie Big, where the building turns into a robot and the robot turns into a building. I sit there often and go, not sure I get it yet. And uh, I'm still kind of an old dog trying to learn new tricks. Skip, is, uh, Skip has this one down cold. But uh, it was a very interesting in terms of, as you said, you know, Jeff Alexander, obviously from WowBow, um, has has been very successful from in terms of really uh you know p- making that brand so much stronger through dark kitchens and through the the growth in that manner um, and and really being able to embrace web 3 uh, they one of the other people on the panel uh, was uh, was uh, danielle Kimball uh, trivia interesting piece of trivia uh, Menchies has now been uh, recorded as the first, as the founder of the hamburger. And so obviously that's something for them to really promote within the, uh, the NFT world. Uh, they're doing some local NFTs, they said, for their, for their best customers. Uh, and so there was a, an interesting conversation about that. And then Kevin Sow, who's the chief megaphone of, uh, that's what he calls himself, the chief megaphone at Fighters Universe. Um, and so there was a lot of conversation about, uh, how NFTs at, and Web3 is really going to change the opportunity to do a lot of one-on-one, uh, one-to-one type of relationships with the guest, uh, And so there was a lot of talk about really that NFTs is really about community and, and creative focus. It's a one-to-one relationship uh, with the customer and that the technology kind of cuts out the middleman and the opportunities Uh, Kevin talked about this at length he said you know we we really don't even know what we can do with this technology yet what what the capabilities are and I think that's what makes it very difficult sometimes as a topic because it's kind of like kind of trying to grab a cloud I mean it's just it's so nebulous in so many ways and we don't know all the possibilities and opportunities Um, but again that's why a topic like this is so interesting at an executive summit like this because we start to talk about the capabilities it starts people's ideas going um but yes um even for a guy like me who doesn't quite get it yet uh very interesting session and very thought-provoking
0: anybody who's listened to my show knows that i'm a fan of danny i've had her on several times and was up at their nft minting party in ohio uh but what i like what she's done with your average ordinary guest i mean they only have three restaurants is that she's re- terminalized everything from instead of a non-fungible token NFT to a digital uh, loyalty platform, something that people can understand, Uh, you know, the average ordinary person. So um, it's it's just another way of of providing loyalty, and that's how restaurants should be utilizing it and uh, rewarding and honing in on your super fans. I think there's massive power behind that. Agreed. We'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. You never know, and it is is evolving. You might be right at the end of the day. We'll see. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now, there was a session from RTN around, and this is where the Restaurant Technology Network really excels, and that's their work groups and creating standards. Um, I think they just announced their customer record data standard, their transactional data standard, and also a work group that we've been in called the uh, Restaurant Technology KPI Work Group. Did they go into detail about any of those?
1: Absolutely, yeah. No, it was a really good session. And one of the things uh, from a consultancy standpoint that I took away from this is, you know, years ago, the biggest stumbling block in the restaurant industry and in the, in the hotel industry at this point was integration, interface between disparate systems, you know, product A and product B. Uh, we fast forward 20, 30 years and the biggest problem, you guessed it. Integration between disparate systems. And so I feel like we're just reliving this nightmare over and over. And RTN's trying to slay the dragon. I give them high props for that. And they've made tremendous progress in terms of developing standards and developing and, and creating awareness. And so you know, hats off to folks like Robert Peterson at Oracle and Steven Ellenson at, at AWS Uh, Russell Cotter's involved from Chipotle. Courtney Radke from Fortinet. Tim Tang from Hughes. These folks are are working very hard on the behest of the industry to try to create standards to to finally resolve this. And, you know, from a consultancy standpoint, we're going to pick up that that mantle and run with it. We're going to add things like RTN integration with our RFPs to try to create a little bit more incentive for the industry to really adopt these standards as we continue to have these challenges but as you said one of the things that they uh, that they introduced was a restaurant technology capabilities framework what's interesting about this is it's it's really kind of a playbook of of how to assess capabilities and tie them back to your business processes um, it breaks down the barriers between IT and the business. It really looks at how technology should be reviewed, re- should be viewed within your operations. And you know, from our consultancy standpoint, we believe that technology absence of operations is irrelevant. So you know, you've got to start with what is the operational landscape, and then tie your technology to it. And so this is really very much along that same line. Uh, they've identified 13 functional areas. And this, uh, this information is actually available on the RTN website. It is really good to try to, I'll say, humanize the technology for those people in your organization who believe that all of that kind of stuff occurs behind the curtains and it's, it's too complicated because it does tie the technology back to the business process. The other thing that Tim spoke to, uh, and Tim is the director of enterprise solutions at Hughes, is that the organization has, has, or the RTN as one of its initiatives, is now working on creating uh, and identifying uh, KPIs uh, within the organization. And they've come up with so far 90 KPIs. That's funny, I was challenging myself over a glass of Malbec glass to see if I could come up with anywhere near 90. So kudos to them for coming up with that many. But they're presenting them and prioritizing them in in terms of different categories. So what are our central KPIs? What are our forward-looking KPIs? What are some of our labor KPIs and so on? And so that information will, again, be put out there with the idea that the vendor community can embrace that and come up with some consistent reporting, um, business intelligence, and so on. So a lot of good things going on on the RTN front.
0: Well, it's interesting because you've experienced this, and I've experienced this both from the consulting side and the operator side. Is um, I get a uh, a senior level executive come up to me and say, "Hey, I need a dashboard and I need some KPIs to report against." And you're like, "Okay, what are the KPIs that you're looking for?" Blank stare. (laughs) It's like in silence, in silence, in silence, and and that it becomes a challenge. Okay, come back to me next week, and we'll we'll figure this out. And as long as you know, we just need to figure out what data elements to get to in order to provide those KPIs. But a lot of people get stuck on that and being able to have a kind of a master record of, Hey, here's some ideas. How about, uh, you know, if you're marketing, how about this? How about that? Or operations? Um, just having that knowledge base would, would be great to have. You mentioned earlier that, um, our team is trying to slay the dragon where I think they're going to succeed is they have quite a bit of involvement, not only from the operator side, but from the vendor side as well. And that's key because the vendor's, need to um, adopt this and to um, implement it into their code base as well. So I think the success of it, anybody listening to this show, if you're an operator or a vendor, you need to get involved with RTM because it's one of those evolving organizations that is going to make our industry better uh, from a technology perspective.
1: Yeah, the, the, the challenge that all operators continue to talk about is just this disparity of integration and, and that we, we call it the proverbial tech stack. Yeah, and, and, and I've, I've built my tech stack with a point of sale and back office and kitchen display and drive-through timers and all of these disparate systems. And now I want them all to kind of hum along harmonious, harmoniously. Not only today, but when the POS vendor updates and then the KDS goes to a new version and the digital menu board vendor, you know, changes. And so uh, there's, sh- this shouldn't be the, the operator's role as, as, as a, as a, uh, an integrator. RTN or the industry as a whole um, as much as it can should take some ownership of that and so that's why RTN has a lofty goal and I think one to your point the more people are aware of the goals and get on board the more uh, the more power the more momentum this initiative is going to carry the other industries uh, hotel has done this they did it with HIDIS uh, the rest, uh, the retail industry did it with ARTS they created retail standards and we continue to fight over it because the restaurant industry tends to be a lot of smaller groups that none of whom are really 10 ton gorillas who can force this initiative. So so kudos to the folks that are involved. Uh, there are some people that have been involved for a very long time and given of their time uh, and that that time should be uh, should be appreciated by uh, by those of us in the uh, in the industry.
0: One session I really wanted to see was HT's 2022 customer engagement technology study results. Um, new expectations around payments, mobility, um, self service, delivery, and other revenue driving experience.
1: It was very interesting because there was really a disconnect between uh, what people said in many cases and the realities of things. And and having worked in retail for years and restaurants for years, people sometimes will answer very much like you know as we talk about politics or the polls that go on. And and people would would answer, I think sometimes the way. They want, they think you wanted to hear because there's some stuff that just plain, just, just plain didn't make sense. I mean, there are things such as, uh, given the opportunity, would you order directly from a restaurant or through from a third party delivery? Well, we all know as restaurateurs that most people order from third party delivery, yet the number was like 72% or something said that they would more prefer to order from the restaurant and so the panel looked at that and said oh stop this is this just doesn't this this can't be true it just right. it, it doesn't make sense so there was a lot of that that went on um so a number of the of the pieces of information um just didn't quite jibe with with the realities of what we saw so one of the things that was talked about is really you know we need to we need to try to uh, I'm going to cultivate the data a little bit more, maybe make the questions a little bit more specific. There was was one question about would you pay more for a restaurant if they had um, technology that served you? And it was a very high number, like 60% of people said, yes, they pay for technology in a restaurant. Well, the question is what technology are we talking about? Video screens at at the table are we talking about? Um, what, what technologies? And I think that there was a little bit of a misinterpretation where the, the, the panel said Well do. they talking about things like you know uh, an app, <laughs> you know, because maybe they don't recognize that the investment in technology that that an operator already has to make just to provide those types of services to uh, to a customer. So, uh, but there was a lot of conversation. I think, and, and and I always like to do a call out to Zach Goldstein because I think Zach and I have very much the same philosophy as it relates. To loyalty and recognition and loyalty teaches bad behavior and so there's a lot of conversation about how um, you, you have to look at loyalty in a very different light and that um when you're when you're doing that you all, all you do is is just kind of create this um you know this this negative situation and so you know we talked a little bit about how to beat the third party delivery vendors you know there are, there are ways that restaurants can do that and again I don't want it to to be disparaging to third-party delivery, but we know the margins are tighter. So there was talk about things like exclusive deals made through your through your channels, um, you know, special treatment, well, and you need to you need to create ways to recognize the opportunity. So I think one of the things somebody talked about was something like a special avocado could be added uh, only on your site, but not on the third-party delivery site, uh, and things like that. And the final piece that that was that was made uh, from here, which which is I think a really good takeaway is that um, vendors like DoorDash and Amazon don't allow you to check out as a guest you have to authenticate yourself. You have to say, I am Toby Baoubeck, I live in you know XYZ and give all of your information. They don't allow you to check out anonymously. Why? Because they want that guest data and they've got to, and they can use that guest data to now start to market to you and create a guest experience. Something like 80%, I think, was the number they're throwing out, 80, 85% of operators who have their own channel allow a guest to check out as a guest. As a, and not fill out that information. And a great opportunity is lost. So that was, that was a very interesting takeaway.
0: Well, Toby, I think a great way to close out this recap is really the last session that happened at the conference, which was IT leaders sharing their aha moments, um, tools and techniques that truly transformed their business. And I saw they had somebody up there from Starbucks. Were there any true aha moments from you from that session? You know,
1: I think a lot of it was really, and you're right, Flavio Gemma. Uh, apologies, Flavio, I can never get your name last name right. Diamante, I think it is. And Justin uh, from Dine Brands talked a lot about the kind of the, the realities of today's experiences, of of just the, the challenge for labor. Uh, you know, the the customers' requirements, and and you know, customers. Are, are pretty demanding as our, as are our employees, by the way, but customers are looking for an awful lot. And the question is, you know, what are, what are they willing to pay for uh, that? We found out uh, through a lot of things that customers are willing to pay for convenience, uh, how much they're willing to pay. That's somewhat elastic. But the challenge around labor, the challenge around making sure your technology is speaks speaks to each other. Obviously, an organization like Starbucks that's done its a lot of its own labor. That problem is isn't as great as as most of the mainstream restaurant operators is. But the we we all are kind of dealing with the same thing. We're dealing with a shrinking labor pool. uh, We're dealing with uh, a a labor group that that is really driven and motivated for things like quality of life. Over quality of work necessarily. Um, there was actually uh, before we, before we get off the interesting, uh, the keynote speaker was very much about that. Um, and, uh, doctor, I want to look up her name so I don't get that wrong. Dr. Gil, uh, Deborah Gilboa, uh, is a resilience expert. She talked a lot about how the employee of today is a very different employee than when we all came up through the restaurant industry, and is looking for different things, and how we need to create a, a, a basically a value proposition for our employees and and show them that there's a path forward. So the the humanistic aspect of restaurant technology uh, can't be be overlooked. And and the fact that while we may be able to create great technology and get to the point where RTN provides us integrations and and a framework to to be able to build that, at the end of the day, and even if we have robotics in there somewhere, at the end of the day, we're still dealing with human beings, human beings that have uh, emotional needs and, and financial needs, Uh, And so we need to be able to build a structure that's supportable, uh, given that new framework and that new employee that's coming into our into our
0: workplace. Toby, as always, it's great to have you on the show and it's awesome to work with you. And uh, thank you for providing us your, your feedback, your input. Uh it's probably a little early there in California and you guys probably had some pretty good uh, parties last night so and drinking some pretty good wine so I I thank you for uh taking the time this morning to really tell everybody what they missed if they weren't already there so thank you
1: and just a call out for March sixth and eighth in Vegas uh for MERTEC conference. And that one's a bit more conventional. Uh that's the uh the full blown, if you will, um with with the with the small trade show. But again, uh HT does a nice job of putting this on. The content here was was very, very good uh in terms of just getting people to think. Um and I think that uh, they will do a nice job in March as well. So Skip, thanks for having me and uh we'll talk again soon. <music>
0: Point proven, as I told you, Mr. Melbeck is always fun to have a conversation with. I just wish I could have been in Napa with him to record this show, sipping on a nice glass of, well, Melbeck. Sorry, had to go there. If you would like to reach out to me or the show, you can do so via everything social at Skip Kimple or everything at Constrata. This includes Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. As always, you can go to the website skipkimple.com for all the archive shows as well as constrata.io. And of course, you can email me at skip.kimple at constrata.io. Okay, next week, I am going to bring you the show that got bumped and I will be talking with Bob Gibson, who many of you know as the previous chief revenue officer of Jolt and spending countless years over at Micros and Oracle. Do vendors hate customers? What is the breaking point? Is it appropriate to fire a customer and when? How can you make your vendor and customer relationship be healthy and fruitful? Having always been on the operator side, I certainly have my viewpoints. So Bob and I will go head to head and have a very spirited conversation. Well, that's it for election Tuesday. Remember, go out and vote as it is so important to do. And don't forget, this Friday is Veterans Day. It is because of those sacrifices our brave men and women in the armed forces have made for us that continues to provide us our freedom and the privilege to vote. If you see a veteran, thank them. Shake their hand. If you see any at a restaurant, pay for their meal. If you see them on a plane and you're sitting in first class, give up your seat. There is no way we can truly pay them back for what they do or have done for us, but a simple gesture of appreciation can go a long ways. Having said that, I'm going to let you go for today. And until next Tuesday, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay hungry, my friends.